What is the one piece of jewellery that men know more about than women? Cufflinks. Cufflinks? It's not earrings, Danny. Engagement rings. Engagement rings. I proposed to my wife, Bex, three years ago this month, and I found the process of buying a ring complicated and confusing and very expensive. And so I went up to the jewellery quarter just out away from our church, and I peered through a few, a few good Lord, shop windows, and I was accosted by many, many jewellers trying to get me to sell things. They would ask me the, my sort of budget, the cost, etc. No idea why, because they always exceeded it. And then I found it amusing for some shops, they would tell me what Bex would like, despite never having met her. It was quite an ordeal. Any, any men with me? It's quite a sort of a stressful process. And then they talked about metals, you know, gold or platinum and all that. But then we got on to the important bit, the diamond. Now, before this, I thought that there were two types of diamond, big and small. But that, that's not the case. You see, diamonds have different colors. They have different cuts, different clarities, different shades, and different shapes. But I just wanted something shiny. Um, but after selecting what I wanted, the lady at the jeweler talked me through it. She showed me the hallmark within it, a sign that it's authentic. She then gave me a certificate to say that this is an authentic diamond. So, and so now I know it's genuine. So now when I see Bex's ring, I know it's not just a piece of glass that someone picked up from the side of the road. I know there's a hallmark in it, and I've got a certificate from an expert saying that it is a genuine. And this is the case with all things. You know, if you want to see that something is genuine, if you want to see something is authentic, you have to call in an expert. And that is exactly what the book of 1 John is about, the book that we're studying at the minute. You see, this um, book was written to a group of churches or a Christian community in the first century who had undergone a split. Some people had left that church and were teaching all sorts of false teachings and false doctrine. And because they didn't have the Bible like we do, they weren't sure actually what is true and what is false anymore. So they had to call in an expert. But this was right at the end of the first century. Jesus had um, gone back to heaven 60 years ago. Most all of the 12 apostles had either died or been martyred except for one. And that was John. Jesus' nearest and dearest disciple. So as they had this problem of wrong teaching, false teaching, and people uncertain what, to tr- what is true, they called in an expert. They called in John. So today we're going to look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. So please turn there with your Bible. And in this passage, John provided criteria which, if followed by the believers, would show that they are the ones who truly know God, who are truly living in his ways, and therefore have eternal life. John wrote to the believers to give them assurance that they were the ones living the authentic faith, taught by Jesus, and not one following false religion or fake news. So let's read from 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments... That person is a liar and not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. And that is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Dear friends, I am not writing a new commandment to you, 
Rather, it is an old one you've had from the very beginning. This old commandment, to love one another, is the same message you heard before. Yet, it is also new. Jesus lived the truth of this commandment, and you are also living it. For the darkness is disappearing, and the true light is already shining. If anyone claims, I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves a fellow believer is living in the light and does not cause others to stumble. But anyone who hates a fellow believer is still living and walking in darkness. Such a person does not know the way to go, having been blinded by the darkness. Father God, I thank you for the privilege to be able to open your word on a Sunday morning. I pray that you'll open our hearts to what you'll say to us. Holy Spirit, speak through and beyond me, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's three claims. In this passage, John raises three different claims made by false teachers and follows each claim by teaching what authentic faith looks like. And we'll focus on these three teaching points today. In the original text, um, these three statements are started and identified by the same phrase, which is literally translated as the one who says. But unfortunately, many translations, including the one I just read, obscures this, but but I'm going to point them out now for you. So look at verse 4. The first claim is, if someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. That's number one. Number two is in verse six. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And number three is in verse nine. If anyone claims I am living in the light, but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in the darkness. In each of these statements, John highlights a characteristic that should be evident in the believer with authentic, authentic faith. So let's start by looking at the first one in verse 4. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. First, I want to ask, what does it mean to know God? What does it mean to know God? Let me take you out of this for a second, and I want you to think of a married couple. In our first service, there was a couple called Pat and Roy, and they'd been married for 50 years. 50 years ago, they joined together and agreed to do life together and started out. Do you think they knew one another better after their first year of marriage than at the beginning when they got married? Of course they did. That's an obvious thing. After moving in together, doing life day in, day out, choosing to lay themselves down for one another, they grew in intimacy and relationship. And so 5, 10, 15, 25, 50 years later, their relationship is still growing in union, still growing in strength, and still growing in love because they choose to daily submit and lay themselves down for one another. Yet sadly, we often hear the other end of it. We often hear of marriages breaking down, ending in separation or divorce. We've all heard a similar statement to this. They were married for 10 years, yet they never really knew one another. You see, these couples clearly knew one another in one sense. They were married for 10 years. But they didn't know one another in another sense. In the sense of intimate relationship, love, and most importantly, surrender. There is a difference between knowing someone and knowing someone intimately. 
deeply and passionately. And that is what John is addressing here. He's saying authentic faith isn't about accumulating a great wealth of knowledge about God or having the biggest bookshelf or being able to recite a few key verses or wearing a suit to church. Authentic faith is knowing God intimately, passionately, truly, and deeply. So how do we know God this way? See, the verse says, if someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and not living in the truth. So John says here, to know God personally, intimately, we must obey God's commandments. If Pat and Roy hadn't surrendered themselves to one another, uh, and to God, and and they walked in obedience with one another, they wouldn't have made it 50 years. We must surrender ourselves to God. Walk in obedience, or we'll never really know God, and we'll just be fakes. Obedience is a strong gauge of authenticity of faith. But hear me correctly. Obedience does not justify us or make us right before God. That comes by faith alone. But obedience is the lifelong process of growing more like Jesus. I think a healthy thing to ask yourself daily is, am I obeying God's word more today than I was yesterday? This letter from John is so relevant and appropriate for today. It's a key example that God's word is timeless, but also timely. Because obedience in today's society has become a taboo word. You know, we've swapped it out of our dictionary. These days, everything is about being free. We talk about our rights, facing fulfilling our destiny, our calling. You know, we say all this stuff, but Jesus said to follow me. See, if you turn on the TV, walk down the street, go online, everything is screaming, me, 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 be free, be your own person, live your own life. Yet Jesus says, abide in me. The saddest thing is, though, we Christians are no better. Go in a Christian bookshop and you'll see books about fulfilling your destiny or your purpose. Or go online and you'll see blogs teaching us how to find ourselves. We shouldn't be wasting time finding ourselves. We should be leading people to go and find Jesus. Let me save you some money. Don't buy a book on your purpose. I've got a book right here about your purpose. and It says to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and go and make disciples of all nations. We're too me-focused. And John reminds us that God calls us to surrender and God calls us to obedience. When John instructs us to obey God's commandments, he's not reinstating the law or giving us a set of rules to follow. He's calling us to a life defined by love. See, he explains this later on in verse 7. He says, I am not writing a new commandment for you. Rather, it is an old one you've had from the very beginning. The old commandment, another, is the same message you heard before, yet it is also new. God's command to love him and to love one another. John explains that this is an old commandment because it's written and found in the book of law in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. But it's also a new commandment because Jesus confirmed and renewed these teachings. You know, we read in Matthew 22, when someone asks Jesus what the greatest and most important commandment is, Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets 
are based on these two commandments. So I want to say this. A believer knows Jesus Christ to the same degree that he or she obeys him. A believer knows Jesus Christ to the same degree that he or she obeys him. Otherwise, it's just talk. You can say all you want, but if you're not living that way, it's baloney. Let's go on to the second statement in verse 6. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. As we said, we can know God, yet not know him at all. We can say whatever we want, but if we don't obey God's commandments and live as Christ Jesus did, it's false. We need to cut the phony. We need to get rid of that which is false and live for true, genuine relationships. From the time when Jesus walked the earth, there has been people who have just gone along for the ride. Think about when Jesus rode into Jerusalem before he was crucified. That Sunday, Palm Sunday, people were shouting, Hosanna, praise the King of Kings. They were shouting, Hosanna. But that same crowd, a few days later, was shouting again. But this time they shouted, crucify. It is easy to say Hosanna when everyone else says it. But when your life, your family, your relationships, your job is at stake, crucify can be the easier option. But when has easy ever been the deal? When has easy ever been part of the gospel? The cross was not easy. Jesus didn't die and rise again to make life easy. He did it to make us holy so that we might have true relationship, rid us from sin, so that we can have authentic faith, and that we might live as image bearers of God. I'm not saying that it's all doom and gloom, toil and struggle, but there will come times in your life when you'll have to choose between that which is easy and that which is authentic. You'll have to choose between that which is easy and that which is authentic. And John is teaching us so that we don't make the wrong choice. John writes here that it's easy to say, I know God. But living as Jesus did, loving people who don't love you, resisting temptation, that's not easy. However, that is the sign of authentic faith. Church, it's easy to follow a God who says, I know the plans I have for you. But when that same God says, take up your cross and follow me, that's not easy. However, that is a sign of authentic faith. When we read in this chapter, those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did, it means we're to walk in the same way in which he walked. And that way led to the cross. We can't repeat Jesus' death, but we can mirror his faith, his love, his obedience, and his self-discipline. Jesus is the ultimate model of authenticity. And that is why John said that we must live as he did. Can I appeal to you guys? If you don't know Jesus, or if you've known him for a long time, get to know him better. Get to know the real person of Jesus, the person described in the Bible. The God who saved us, the God who's coming back. Read about him. Pray to him. It will transform you. You see, we don't just sing songs on a Sunday here at church because we like the tune or we want to fill some time at the beginning of the service or Kevin wasn't short on a job so we hired him in just to sing some songs. 
We sing because of Jesus, who he is, what he did on the cross. It's right and important to bring our requests to God, you know, and ask him for things, because the Bible teaches us to do that. But can I ask you, once or twice a week, just to pray to God and praise him for who he is, thank him for who he is as a person, as a God, and thank him for what he's done. If you don't know Jesus, I would love to introduce you to him after the service. Come and meet me. Because he's been pursuing you because he loves you. So what John says here, live as Jesus did, is a great and it's an easy statement to say on a Sunday morning. But after a busy week, what on earth does it look like when life happens? You know, when we're late for something, when we've got family demands or financial strains, or when this temptation is seemingly around every single corner... Living as Jesus did gets a little bit harder. This week, I was listening to an American preacher, and he was saying how he spoke to an old friend of his, someone much older, who'd been a believer for many years. And he said to this older guy, how do you walk with Jesus and avoid sin? How do you do that? How have you done that for so many years? And the old man looked at him and paused for a long time, and he said, sin? I don't think about sin. I think about Jesus. And that's the key. Church, if we focus on not doing something, then we enter into this horrible, strange tightrope walk that's really frustrating, that we're going to end up falling off anyway. But if we focus on loving Jesus and living for Jesus, now that's joy unspeakable and peace that transcends all understanding. Let's live for something. Let's not live not for something. It's a purpose. It's a direction. That's That's what it's about. Living as Jesus did means that in the face of difficulty, in the face of temptation, we say, Jesus is better, I choose him. And that is authentic faith. So let's look at this final point in verse 9. This final claim. If anyone claims I'm living the light but hates a fellow believer, that person is still living in darkness. This final claim which John brings to our attention is a claim to be living in the light, but also hating someone. This follows the few verses that I read earlier, uh, where John reaffirms the commandment for love, saying it is old and new. And what he's doing here, first and foremost, he's addressing the people who've split from the church and saying that they think they're superior because they've got all this divine knowledge, but they're actually teaching heresy. We need to be loving one another. This is a classic thing that John uses. He likes to use stark comparisons, light and dark, love and hate. And this is clear that this is something that John was extremely passionate about. But let me take you back briefly. When Jesus was calling his disciples at the beginning of his earthly ministry, when Jesus called John and his brother James, we read about in the book of Mark, Jesus nicknamed John something. He nicknamed them both the Sons of Thunder. Now, he doesn't explain this nickname, but we see a glimpse of it later on in the book of Luke, chapter 9. We read this. As the time drew near for Jesus to ascend into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messages ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, he said to Jesus, Lord, shall we call down fire from heaven and burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went to another village. 
John was so enraged that these people didn't welcome Jesus that he said, let's call down fire and kill him. This was John in his 20s, a son of thunder, a fire-calling wild crazy man. Yet now, 60 years later, older and wiser, he's calling us to love one another. And he says that if we don't, then we're actually walking in the darkness. That's his words. So how can this guy go from fire and flames to love? What changed in John? He walked with Jesus. Loving one another is hard, but we're called to do it. There's people in your life, I know, that you love to love. It's easy to love. They're good friends. But God has also put people in your life who are hard to love. They're hard to love. But that is what John here is talking about. But this is nothing new. Jesus said about this on the Sermon on the Mind. He said, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even the tax collectors do that. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even the pagans do that. You don't need me on a Sunday morning to give you loads of examples to love and examples of how to love. But let me tell you this one thing. If it's not visible, it's not love. You can't love someone secretly. It's impossible. Or you're a stalker. So today, I want you to choose someone you find hard to love. Hard to love, not just your friend. Someone hard to love. And make it visible this week. Make it visible. Do your children know that you love them? What about the rest of your family? They're the easy ones, but what about your neighbors? Do they know that you love them? Here's the hard one. Does your boss know that you love them? Mark, I love you. Just got to get that in. Got to practice what you preach. But does your boss know that you love them? That's what Jesus calls us to do. It's a hard one. Make sure they know by the end of this week. Jesus prayed a prayer, the longest prayer that we record Jesus praying. And he prays for unity. He prays that we'll love one another, have such unity that the world will see God in his glory for that. The world will know God's love. How are we doing in that? What's our unity like? What's our love like? Is God's love being shown? I'm going to invite the band up so we can sing our final song. And I would like you guys to stand with me. What? If you could, as I just close this off, why do you stand? Here we have John's three indicators for authentic faith. Obedience to God, living for Jesus, and loving one another. This is not new. I'm sure you've heard this many times, but let, let's not dismiss it. Let's not dismiss these lessons from John, because he was an expert, and he says this is what authentic faith looks like. Just like the jeweler said, this is what an authentic diamond looks like. John here says, this is what authentic faith looks like. These are key principles to our life. Obedience to God, living for Jesus, and loving those around you. Now, can I just quickly highlight a point before I close? These are signs for authentic faith. Not to judge other people and say, ah, they're authentic, they're a liar, they're fake. This is for self-diagnosis. Obedience to God, living for Jesus, and loving those around you. I want you to encourage you to write these down. Memorize them. 
and choose to do it every morning. Pray through them every morning so that you can walk a life of authentic faith. Let's pray them together. Why don't you repeat after me? Lord God, we choose a life of obedience to you. Laying ourselves down and submitting to your will. Our life we give to you. We choose now to live for Jesus. To take of our cross and follow him. When times are easy, when times are hard, help us to love those around us. Even when it costs and wears us out. For your glory. Amen.